So 
so glad that uh, he chose to die on that cross just so he could give me life once again. Uh, let's change it up just a bit. We'll speed it up. Put it in the key of F. Let's sing that song every day with Jesus. So every day with Jesus, oh, it's sweeter than the day before. And every day with Jesus, oh, I love Him. Oh, so glad. 
you, Brother Matt. We just have a few prayer requests at this time, and if I could, um, at the end of these, also have the ushers come forward, and we'll go ahead and take up the tithes and offering as well. Uh, we just want to remember Sister Solis uh, up in Washington, so we just want to remember her. Uh, she is steady as of right now, from what I understand, and so, but we just want to continue to remember her. Uh, we just want to remember uh, Henry Coffey, who is not with us. He's not feeling well. If you would continue uh, just to remember my dad, Brother Keith, he is having to make a very long trip uh, for work, so if you would just pray for him that he'll have safe travels. Um, and also a uh, very dear and uh, close to me unspoken prayer request as well, if you would just remember that for me as well. So if I could just have uh, Brother Ben come up at this time and pray over the prayer requests and the tithes and offerings as well. Father, Lord, we just count it as a real honor and a privilege to be able to come in the middle of the week, Lord, and just to be able to take time and set it aside, and just to, Father, worship together with our brothers and sisters, and Lord, just to hear from you, Lord, and that's our heart's desire tonight, Lord, is just to hear from you, and Lord, we truly are needy, Lord, and uh, Lord, I'm sure everyone here has a special need on their heart, Lord, whether it's something going on in their personal lives, Father, whether it's physical, spiritual, maybe even mental or emotional, Father, Lord, you know all those needs. And Lord, we just, these needs that Brother Mitch read, Father, Lord, we just ask that you'll touch each one of them, Father, be with them. We ask that you be with our Brother Keith, Lord, give him traveling mercies as he's driving the truck along, Lord, keep him safe, Father. Lord, we ask that you'll bless these tithes and offerings, Father, as give. Lord, we just ask that you bless them, bless those that can give and those that can't. And Lord, as the word comes, Father, tonight, Lord, may we do our part to pull. We ask it in your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you. Just as Brother Barry comes this evening, let's just sing this now. I come to the garden
didn't know this tonight, but that's the title. Put that back up again. If you don't mind, we're going to sing it one more time. And he walks with me. We're going to talk about the walk of the believer. So let's sing it again one more time as we move into this tonight. And just focus your thoughts right there on that word walk. And he walks with me and he talks with me. Father, as we come in your presence tonight, it's just such a wonderful reality, Lord, to know that you are near. You're near your people who believe. You're near your people, Lord, who gather together in your name. You're near to us, Lord, because you've called us in this last day. Now, Lord, we believe we are gathered around the tree of life, and we expect, Lord, tonight our desire is to hear from you. Father, move us all from the way. Speak, Lord, I pray. Be the listener. And, Lord, I pray that you would help just apply that word in our hearts, O God, that we may apply it in life. And, Father, we just ask now in the name of Jesus Christ that you'd forgive us of everything and anything, Lord, that may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit here tonight. Lord, I pray for those that are sick and needy and, Lord, the very special needs that are represented among us. And, Lord, we've mentioned them and, Father, as many people in the world that are praying for these needs, especially uh, our sister, Lord, up in Washington. And we ask, oh God, that you would just be gracious to her and Brother Burley as well. And Father, we just know that you're a healer the same as you ever were. And we commit them into your hands. We give you thanks, Lord, for this gathering. We give you thanks for the message that we enjoy. What we do not know, reveal it to us, Lord. What we do not understand, we pray that you would make plain. And Lord, what we do not see, open our eyes. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. While you're standing, if you don't mind, let's take your Bible. And uh, we'll take a look in there uh, tonight. And hold your Bible open as we uh, look at this together. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. First of all, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. just before you're seated tonight. A couple of verses, and this is common scripture for us. Genesis chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. May God, at his blessing, you may be seated tonight. 
Well, we greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's uh, an honor to be here tonight with you again. And uh, I uh, just wanted to say this, that uh, it's always a really good thing when a minister who is here to minister for us leaves this place and contacts me on purpose and says how nice it was to be at your place and to minister to the people. And Brother Rapp uh, left on Sunday, and he said he's just so... Uh, blessed and so honored to be here, and I, I appreciate that because that speaks well of the congregation and making him feel welcome. And even if you never talked to him or shook his hand, uh, your half of the gift and your welcoming spirit makes a big, big difference for any minister uh, who comes to this place. So I wanted to pass that along to you uh, this evening. Great to have the Johnsons here. Uh, we're going to introduce all of them on Sunday, and uh, great to have you with us tonight all the way from Texas. And uh, may God bless you and the family. Uh, we want to remember Brother Burley, and uh, I uh, just uh, briefly uh, want to tell you that he, uh, you know about his accident with the nail gun, and uh, he still cannot see out through that eye, but the doctor told him that that was uh, probably not an unusual thing at this particular point. He has to go back tomorrow uh, to get a reassessment. Uh, he said the hardest thing for him and the most aggravating thing for him is that he feels like he always wants to itch his eye, and apparently it's the stitches that are inside there, and he can still feel them, and uh, they're, they're going to continue to give him treatments. The uh, antibiotic that he takes is uh, a strong antibiotic, and uh, they're hoping that, uh, that that, though, will take care of the infection because infection in his eye uh, in his condition is not a good thing at all. So they're, right now it seems like the, the medication is working. And uh, he said he's just had lots and lots of communication from people all over the world who were praying for him. And Burley is a very well-respected and well-known minister with a great report, and a lot of people love him and know him. And uh, so if you don't mind, continue to remember him in prayer. September 9th is when he has to go for the operation to get his... Uh, the oral issues uh, taken care of, and that's been scheduled, and that's, that's, uh, uh, he's glad to get all of that going. We're going to take an offering for Brother Burley a little later on, and uh, I've, we've already sent him some to keep him going because he works hard in his congregation. Uh, you know, it's not a great big congregation, but uh, I, I thought uh, it would be nice to help with his expenses because he normally works as a contractor. That's how he got the nail uh, shot the way it was, and uh, so we want to do that for Brother Burley. Brother Fulcher fell this morning early, and uh, he's uh, um, just been uh, showing a little uh, weakness, extra weakness, and uh, so if you don't mind remembering him in prayer, that's why Sister Becky's not here tonight, she's with him, and uh, if you don't mind just holding him up in prayer, that would be really appreciated. Uh, the drums are not here tonight, and Brother Joe had extensive testing done last week, so um, we uh, will pass along the reports when we get those. Now, this Sunday night, I wanted to uh, make clear that we're going to have two services on this Sunday, and we'll have a regular service at 11, and then at 4 o'clock, uh, we're going to have a special service dedicated to, in part, to the subject of Ukraine, and we're going to have Sister April Grant, who's going to be here. She's coming in uh, to be with us and uh, talk a little bit about uh, her experiences there. And I'm also trying to get uh, another brother here from Ukraine uh, who's in the country, and I'm trying to get him here as well uh, on Sunday afternoon. So uh, I want you to uh, 
Uh, folks are certainly welcome if they're out and about, people you know, you're certainly welcome to bring them along on Sunday. The following Sunday, which is August 2021, uh, Brother Craig Boer will be here. We're going to have three services on that Sunday, on that weekend. Uh, we're going to have Saturday night. It'll be a casual uh, gathering for our young people. And it will be from ages 13 and up. And we're going to have that in the fellowship hall. It's not going to be a church service here. It's going to be in the fellowship hall. And we're going to do some things. And uh, we're going to do a discussion and some questions and answers with Brother Craig. And he's going to do a little lesson. Uh, Brother Craig is uh, just a real wonderful minister. And, and uh, he's got some special things for our young people. So we're going to do that on uh Saturday night. That's open for other churches as well. We're uh, putting the word out. There's some people coming as far away as South Carolina down uh, Brother uh, Jason Watkins' church, and they're planning to come up, and there's some others that are coming as well. So if you want to, they say now the best way to advertise anything is just tell a couple of young people. It's all you need. And then it goes like that. So if you want to let folks know, you're certainly welcome to some other local churches here that we've already talked to and uh, will be around. But what we're trying to do is get a number, too. We'd like people to kind of let us know if we can because we want to feed uh, the people on uh, Saturday night. Then on Sunday, we're going to have two services. They'll be for everybody, okay? They're not young youth services, but it'll be for everybody. So that'll be on Sunday at 11 and 4, Okay? So that is the, the schedule for the next two weekends here. For this Sunday, uh, two services, and then the following Sunday will be Saturday night and two on Sunday. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, holding the fort on the, on the weekend. And uh, I was at Brother Jason's church with the saints there. Uh, they were making up for lost time uh, since I'd been down there, which had been quite a while. And so I did five services uh, with them, and uh, we had a, a really nice time of fellowship. It was, uh, it was really good. And um, there, was, uh, uh, there was a really nice, um, we, we had some unique opportunities. We had a, a minister's gathering. And, you know, uh, they have, in their church, they have a brother who a, owns a coffee shop, and he's a barista. And, and uh, I'm looking for an overwhelming response or somebody to say, we can do that, brother. We can do that. And they actually held the first evening, which was with the ministers and their wives. That's the, uh, they asked me to speak to the ministers and their wives. And uh, we went to the coffee shop and, and actually had a little fellowship there. <laughs> now, that's what I'm talking. And it was, uh, it was just really nice. And then they had a men's breakfast and then they, we had services uh, besides that, and uh, it was just a, a, it was really nice to be able to uh, get together with them, and even the uh, even the score uh, just a little bit. All right, now um, let's jump back into the word here, and uh, in Genesis chapter five, and as you hold that place there, uh, I want you to turn, if you don't mind, to John chapter eight. John, or sorry, Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 8. And just as we begin here. Luke, the 8th chapter. Now, I've mentioned this to you before, but I just want to highlight it in this, uh, in this context here. Because we're, um, we're talking about this idea of our walk with God. Now, Enoch had a walk, and this walk was 
critical for Enoch. I mean, we know now that uh, Enoch being our type, Elijah, who was translated, was not uh, specifically our type, uh, but Enoch is. He was the seventh from Adam and the one who was uh, taken off the earth uh, without death. And Brother Branham points back to, to Enoch as uh, the one that we are uh, typing after in this last day to be taken off the earth without death at the end of the seventh age. And so we, the, we, we know in, in, in a small way, we know a little bit about Enoch. But one of the things that uh, is, is predominant about him, one of the things that stands out about his testimony is this word uh, walk where he walked with God. We want to look at that word tonight a little bit, and then we want to look at how we can do that, because if that was the key for him getting out of here, that he walked with God and pleased God in that walk, then my goodness, if that's our type, we also too want to know exactly how to walk or how can we uh, emulate that? How can, we, how can we do the same thing and do it in a way that's pleasing to God so that God would be ready to take us as well? So there's a couple of things that Brother Branham said and there's a couple of things that the Scripture point out for us that we can learn uh, from tonight. So forgive me and I'll make one statement about one apology for being simple. Not an apology. I'll make a... Um, well, it's going to be a little simple. The unveiling of God. Brother Branham says, now we're here to open the word of the Lord. We are here for one purpose, and that's closer walk with God. That's our purpose. That's all we can do is to believe that the Lord Jesus is with us, and we're here to walk closer with him. At the outset of this service, how many of you would like to walk maybe a little closer with him? Now, there are things that we need to know along the way, and uh, God, God allows... Uh, us to be here for uh, the purpose of uh, coming back to our, our position as sons and daughters of God, and then also to leave this world. And for us, God chose, not us, but God chose to, to have us here in the last day uh, when this event would take place. All the other people of all other ages were chosen to live that way during that time, to go that way by way of the grave, and we'll meet them over yonder. At the end of the day, we all meet in the same place. How we get there is a little bit different for the people at the end, right? And so for us, our course is a little different than the people who lived in other ages. And God chose us to get there by life, not by death. So we're going to have to be living a certain life. We're going to have to be walking a certain way. And I'm going to be repeat, repetitive in saying that. But God puts, uh, God puts teachers, God puts ministers, God's put, uh, you know, his ministry uh, in the earth in this way, suited and wired a certain way to be able to make sure we get everything we need in order to get from here to there. It would be God defeating his purpose if he put us here and didn't give us uh, the teaching and the, uh, the instruction and the direction and the leadership we needed to get from here to there. We'd be wondering how to do it. But God has placed the ministry in the earth in all their different capacities with all their different personalities and all their different ways uh, in order for us to get from here to there, right? And we thank God for the diversity in ministry. We don't fight that diversity, I mean, that would, be, that would be kind of silly to fight the diversity among the ministry because we're not all the same, just like you people as a congregation are not all the same, right? You're all from different backgrounds, different genders, different ages, different points of view. Uh, you like certain things, you don't like other things. And it would be pointless to say, well, why can't we all be like Ethan over here? Uh, you know, that would be silly for us to say that because that, that's, that's not what we're trying to achieve. 
But God gives us what we have need of no matter where we are. Now, I want to just demonstrate that in the Scripture. This is the, uh, the familiar little passage where Jesus goes across the lake, a Sea of Galilee, over to Gadara. The Sea of Galilee is not a sea, it's a lake. And he goes over to the other side, and there he meets with the, uh, with the maniac of Gadara. And without going into all of the details of the story, uh, we know that Jesus has this encounter with this man who's possessed by a legion of devils. Now, if you track back in the chapter, there's all kinds of amazing things that have already taken place in, in that chapter. I mean, this is, this is when he, uh, calms the sea, and, uh, you know, this is, uh, the, the uh, parables that he teaches, and, uh, you know, the different things that, uh, that went on there. I mean, they, they must have been wondering how, uh, you know, at the end of this day when Jesus is asleep in the ship, uh, is there anything that this man cannot do? And, and they, you know, they're looking at Jesus, they're walking with him, and then finally they get over on the other side, and here's this man that they encounter who's, uh, he's, he's, um, uh, wild at best. That'd be the, the easiest thing we could say. And, uh, even the chains don't, don't hold him down. But Jesus comes to him. He comes right to him, and in the, uh, in the encounter, he casts those demons out, and they're gone into swine. They go down over the hill. Now the people of the village, they're looking at this whole scene, and they're saying, hey, Get this guy out of town. We want him out of town. And they wanted Jesus to pack up and go. What's important, though, is what happens to this man out of whom the devils come. And it says in verse 38, I mean Luke chapter 8, verse 38. Now the man of whom the the devils were uh, departed besought him that he might be with him. And Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things God had done for him. So when the people of the city came and they looked at this man who once was the wild man, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus was teaching and he was talking about things. And this man is sitting at the feet of Jesus. So they recognize him as the wild man. He has this encounter with God as extraordinary and supernatural as that was. And then the next scene, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him. And now Jesus sends him out and he gently goes out into the town and begins to tell his testimony. I say that to say this. That even though my ministry is, my ministry is a little bit different, I believe that there's a place for everyone who's God called in this last day to do the part that God's given you. There are some people that, uh, there are some people that, uh, you know, have a ministry, uh, of the extraordinary. And, you know, I, I believe it with all my heart that you need to have both of these events. You need to have an encounter with the Jesus who can cast out devils, heal the sick, do the supernatural, and in that atmosphere accomplish anything, even beyond what you would ask or think. And there are times and places where that happens. But I will tell you this, if anybody has a real encounter with God, you're going to eventually find him at the feet of Jesus. He doesn't have to lose his enthusiasm. He doesn't have to lose his exuberance. Not at all. As a matter of fact, now he takes that. But this man, once he had that encounter with God, he wants to hang around with Jesus. He wants to sit next to him. He wants to be right there wherever Jesus is and learning all that he possibly can. There are people who will, who have the kind of ministry that will do the first part. They're, uh, they're the type of people that are quick to lay hands on somebody and cast out devils and have great crowds and auditoriums. And hey, I thank God for that because that's not something that I always feel good about. But I will tell you what, we need also ministry that help instruct people when they come to the feet of Jesus. And you know what? We all play a part to get 
to the bottom line. And the bottom line is that we get out of here. Doesn't make one greater than the other. But I will tell you this, that if we have, if we have great meetings and great encounters with God, it's going to bring you to the Word. It's going to bring you to the place where you want to know everything you can about the kingdom, about Christ, and about who you are. Uh, let, let me tell you, there are, there are many things to know. And I say that because uh, Brother Branham says we're here for one purpose, and that's a closer walk with God. And I think it would be fair for everyone in the congregation to say, well, how do we do that? How do we get closer to God? And I don't think it's fair for any minister to impose a requirement on people without telling them how. I don't think it'd be, uh, you know, I don't think it'd be right for me to say, all right, you folks better, you ought to be better worshipers. Unless I begin to show you in the scripture what a better worshiper is. How can we accomplish that? How do we get there? I think it's unfair to, to make people feel bad because they're not something and not teach them how to become that. I mean, it doesn't make sense, really, does it? Uh, you know, we could say, well, you know, uh, I mean, there's lots of examples. We could say, well, we should be collecting more money. We should, we should have more given the missions, and you people don't give enough. Well, uh, all right, but how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? I mean, are we doing something wrong? Or what could we do better? And those are reasonable questions, aren't they? Don't get, don't get me wrong. I, listen, our church has gone above and beyond, and I appreciate that so much. But I'm saying that it's wrong for any ministry to impose things or require things of people without teaching the people how to do that according to the Word of God. And so it, it all works together. We need all kinds of those ministries. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm thankful that we have the diversity of ministry that we have. And I'm thankful that we've had the diversity of ministry here. Uh, when I look back, I was looking back last night at the, uh, the archives in our services and looking at the people who ministered. And Matt was here, and Brother Ulray was here, and Brap was here, and uh, different ones. And uh, it's just amazing how uh, the Holy Spirit can move on people who have no connection with the church. And they can come in and say something that fits just like a hand in a glove. And you realize, wow, I'm glad we're under the great overseer, which is the Holy Spirit. I'll say something that may seem funny, even though I'm the pastor of this church, in case some of you didn't know. Um, sometimes I do feel like I need to wear a name tag. There are, um, there are some wonderful ministries, and I think that, uh, you know, it's actually, whether you agree or not, it's unhealthy for a church to only hear one voice. We have a five-fold ministry, and it, it, is, it is a blessing, just like if we served... At every single church dinner, if we just serve roast chicken and we didn't do anything else, uh, it's nice to have a diversity. It's, it's actually healthy for you to eat more than just roast chicken, right? Unless you're a preacher. All right. Now, Brother Branham says, if there ever was a day in Escape Hither Come Quickly, when men and women ought to open their eyes and look into the Word of God, it's today. 64 years ago. And if the church ever buckled on its armor, it should be today. If you ever, if you should have your armor, uh, if, you, if, it's a, if there's any time for you to have your armor on, it's now. Now let me say this. I was speaking with somebody today, and I, I just want to echo this. And I'm not saying this uh, just to you. I'm saying in general, a lot of the reason why we have hiccups among believers is because believers get out of the habit of reading their Bible and listening to the prophet. I think it's important for you to listen to tapes. I think it's important for you to read the message. I really do. You should not rely on me reading clips. 
That's not the same as you getting alone with God and just taking a little bit of time. Uh, in our family, we've been doing the Proverbs 31. You know, 31 days in August, 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read a chapter a day. We've been encouraging one another to do that. And, you know, it's great. There's, uh, there's, there's really nothing better than you could be doing. But you should not get out of the habit or get out of sync of, in doing that. I think it's an important thing for us to do. And Brother Branham's telling us that 64 years ago. We ought to open our eyes and look into the Word of God. And then say, as you look into the Word of God, God, let me see what I don't see. Unveil to me what I don't see. And let me hear what I'm not hearing. And I believe that God will honor that when you go, go at it that way. If there's anything between you and God to keep, uh, keep you from going in the rapture, better make it right now. If there's anything in your life that could hinder you from going in the rapture, you ought to do it now. Don't count on youth to prolong forgiveness. Don't count on it. Don't count... On, well, you know, they'll be, I'll get around to it. Don't count on that. If there's something that you know, God identifies, the Holy Spirit identifies something in your life you need to make right, make it right. Don't, don't drag it out. Just go make it, make it right. I did today, uh, with somebody in, in my life just because, uh, I, I just felt that little tug for the last little while and I did it today. And Jesus said, when you see those things begin to come to pass, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. Signs in the sky, fearful sights. Anybody, anybody unsure of what this verse actually means? Right? This day these scriptures are fulfilled. Great things taking place. So God's loosening up the church. God is loosening up the church everywhere. Getting it ready now so it can go in the rapture. And got to give it rapturing faith before it can go. It was like the days of Noah. People got in the spirit in that last day. And they were, uh, you know, doing the things that they did. The world's got to get into a spirit. The denominational system's got to get into a spirit. Israel's got to get into a place. And the bride also has to be in a place. Well, what God is doing is actually loosening you up. So he doesn't want you tied down with obligations. He doesn't want, listen, he doesn't want you tied down with a lot of debt. He doesn't want you tied down with social obligations. He doesn't want you tied down with just busy, busyness or business. God wants you to be loosened up to where if God tells you something, you become sensitive to that. We'll find that as we go along. God wants you to be sensitive to the voice that moves you. He wants you to be sensitive to the voice that speaks to you and changes your direction. I was listening to, uh, and we were talking about on the weekend, a service where Brother Random was going through a prayer line. And he's right in the middle of the prayer line. And he stops and he says, all right, now, anybody want to give their heart to the Lord, come on to the altar. And he stops and he says, now, after, you might think that's unusual. He said, but he told me in the middle of that prayer line, he said to have an altar call and call people to come. And a whole bunch of people came up to the uh, altar. That's a man who's sensitive to the voice of God. And so we know that there's all kinds of things had to happen in the last day. Uh, there's a lot going on in this particular uh, screen right here. But uh, we've come through all of these stages here to the bottom where iron and clay uh, are, are uh, present together in the feet of that statue there. And as I've shown you before in other diagrams this way, there's a stone that's cut out without hands that comes down, breaks the feet of that uh, image there. And it is that at that time that the bride of Christ takes off and takes her leave here and the other three and a half years for Israel kicks in. Everybody following me? All right. That's, to me, that's a, a great picture to have a handle on. Now, we also have come through stages in the Gentile ages where uh, Brother Branham teaches us and as the scripture taught us in symbol form that uh, the white horse came through kills by the spirit being antichrist and number two, the red horse kills by the sword, political power 
And uh, that's in the Dark Ages when many, many people died uh, through that time. Kills by the sword, political power, church and state united. And in the Black Horse when souls, when he gave out that doctrine and she died there with her, she did with her fornication and what she gave for food and controlling the finances and the resources of the world. All of those three horses merged together in the fourth or pale horse, which is the final one. And in that ride, there is a separation done at the end of that seal or the ride of the fourth horse rider. And there is an eternal or uh, everlasting separation from God. And a bride is taken at the end of that. We're living in the ride of the fourth horse. And uh, this is the, the stage that we find ourselves in. Everybody all right? Now, in the breach, Brother Branham tells us that uh, he's referring to Ruth and Boaz here. And Boaz was typed as the... Uh, redeemer, the goel, G-O-E-L, which is a Hebrew word, uh, someone who is capable and allowed to meet the requirements to satisfy a debt or an obligation. So everybody could not have purchased Naomi or redeemed Naomi from slavery. Everybody couldn't do that. But Boaz could because he was a a near kinsman, right? So when Boaz fit that requirement, he came to the elders of the city and paid the price and got... Uh, got uh, uh, Naomi, and in the bargain got Ruth as well. And Brother Branham says, now there's the Redeemer, and Christ has redeemed us now. How many know that Christ is our Boaz? Or how many know that Boaz represented Christ? And we are that Ruth, right? We're the Gentile bride. And that uh, Naomi is still over there in the promised land, right? Lord willing, November 12th, next year, we'll be going to Israel Keep mark that one. And this is a, a season where we're right in between those two. Now watch now. He says Christ has redeemed us now. When did he do that? 2,000 years ago. Right? That's when he paid the price. We are now redeemed, but he has not claimed the possession yet. So there has to come a claiming of the possession even though technically, legally, scripturally, he's paid the price for the possession. You are the possession. That should alone should make you feel special. You are the possession of Christ. You are the, you are the, uh, the purchase. You are what's been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if he took the book of redemption, everything that Adam had and everything that Adam lost, Christ redeems back. He's already redeemed us. That's not going to happen. That's happened. But he hasn't taken the possession yet. And he cannot until the time appointed. And then will come the resurrection. Then the earth will be renewed. Then he'll take possession, which he got when he redeemed us at the appointed time. So if it's all meant to go back to the way that it was with Adam and Eve, let me tell you, he's got to redeem not only us who go to the garden, but also the earth itself. Because the earth has changed quite drastically since the days of of the Garden of Eden, right? I mean, hey, listen, uh, think about this. The people of the earth wondered where Enoch was because almost nobody died before the flood. Of all the names that are listed there, almost nobody died. They lived hundreds and hundreds of years. Funerals were a rare and exceptional thing. 
And so for somebody to come up missing like Enoch, and for people to be wondering, well, I mean, did he die? I mean, goodness, how would he die? People, people don't die that often around here. Imagine living in a world where people say they don't die. And you know what? One day we're going to go back to that. But in that day, they were looking for Enoch, and they wondered where he was, but he was gone. He was taken because he walked with God. And he pleased God in such a way that God finally took him and brought him uh, into the kingdom and kept him there. That's coming, and it's all being turned back to that. Don't be fooled by the billions of dollars we're going into debt to try to reduce global warming. Hey, listen, God's only getting warmed up. That's only one of the things that's happening. We're, we're gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pay enough money to cool God down. He's, uh, he's, uh, let me tell you, the warming is coming from somewhere. And it's not because you're eating too many styrofoam hamburgers out of that come out of McDonald's. Let me tell you, God's warming it up to get the earth back into a place where there'll be no more winter. Don't push against, don't push against it. Now, you don't need to, uh, invest in styrofoam. But you, you watch God's moving it all back to the way it's gotta be. It's not just you and I that are going back. It's back to a condition in a perfect place. Because that's what Brother Bram said. There's a perfect people going back to a perfect place. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're one of those perfect people? You say, but Brother Bram, you don't know what kind of a day I had. I don't care. Because you didn't have as bad a day as I did probably. But I'll tell you this. It's not based on circumstances and it's not based on my performance. It's based on what God has done. He's made us accepted in the beloved. He's made us sinless in his own eyes. He has justified us as though we never sinned in the first place. And so it's all coming back now, but he's got to do it at the appointed time. So we are in a, we are in a position where uh, we could say we're in the uh, claiming time. We're in the time when the Redeemer is possessing what he purchased so many years ago. Now, watch this. David was a hunter and a shepherd. And in the Psalms, he wrote of green pastures and still waters because there he was alone by himself. He wasn't contaminated with the things of the world. God has got to get a man away from the things of the world so he can get him quiet so he can listen to God. That still small voice. And once in contact with God, he becomes fearless then. You remember what I told you about David a uh, long time ago. When David was a young man, he, he uh, prayed in, in secret, sought God in secret, and killed the bear. Then he went public, right? Sought God in private, prayed, talked and communed with God, conquered the bear, conquered the line, and he went public. He didn't choose to go public. He just wound up going public. But when he went public, this was no challenge for him because he had sought God, talked with God, had victories with God by himself. And now all of a sudden he's out there in the public and Goliath's there. Hey, bring it on. I know how this works. When there are opponents that look invincible, hey, bring it on. David's already been alone with God, sought God, prayed with God, seen results. And then when he goes public, he's got Goliath there. Hey, he runs out onto the field. Anybody with me tonight? God's got to get a man away from the things of the world so he can get him quiet. Then he can listen to God. And then once in contact with God, he becomes fearless then. Does that make sense? Wow. All right. Now, last time, last not this past Wednesday, but the one before, for, uh, we read this scripture here. For our rejoicing is this, that the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. For we write none other things unto you than uh, that we read or acknowledge, and I trust you shall acknowledge even to the end. Uh, Paul, Paul is referring to his manner of living, his way of life. 
And Brother Branham says, in relation to that, in 1962, he said, Therefore, we should never speak anything but what we believe and understand. Let it be pure, undefiled, and holy. What we speak, what we minister, what we, what we express, what we convey to people. It should be pure, undefiled, and holy. It should be consistent with the God you serve. It should be consistent with the Bible. Right? So it would be inconsistent for you to say, well, I'm a Christian, and you know what? We Christians believe you ought to go to church. You ought to come visit our church. Well, hey, it's Wednesday night. How come you're not in church? So he says, let our conversation be clean and pure, our thoughts, thinking the best things, thinking God's thoughts, staying upon God's program, and away from the things of the world. So if our conversation is going to be described by anything, it would be described by this. Now, remember, a conversation, and as we studied last, last time, is not just our words, but it is whole, the whole presentation of ourselves. It's the whole way we convey ourselves. The, the thing that people see and observe about your life, right? So if somebody looks at me, they'd, look, they'd see my haircut. They'd see my dress. They'd see my lack of tattoos and metal. They would see that, uh, you know, hey, this is a guy who carries a Bible, goes to church. Uh, this is a sister who wears a skirt. This is a sister who seems like, my goodness, seems like she's got uncut hair. Her hair on the bottom is like this. It's not like this. It's like this. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Guys, if you're going to marry a girl, you, may, you look for a girl who's got this instead of this because if she's got this it means that she's going to have trouble with headship in her life so paul says for our conversation is in heaven therefore as we looked at that word conversation which is from the greek word polituma it means the administration of civil affairs or commonwealth it means the form of government and laws by which it is administered so in other words my life is actually governed by a higher power that higher power is in another kingdom Right? So my life is governed by our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what Paul is actually saying. This is what he's living out. Our conversation is in heaven because I want my life to match that kingdom. And whatever it is that is like over there, that's the way I want to be here. I want to actually reflect and convey a little bit of that kingdom on this earth while I'm here. Look, you can easily get caught up in wishing and waiting for everything in the future, instead of maximizing, capitalizing on the place that God's put you now. If God wanted the bride to be gone, you know what? We'd be gone. But we're not. We're here. And if we're here, then I say let's continue the job of reflecting the kingdom of God on earth through our lives, witnessing to people, letting people know that there is a God who lives. He's not dead. He's not lost in history, but he's alive. And he's real, and he's still a healer and a deliverer. He's still one that has answers, and he, he, he's one that uh, is able to turn the impossible into the possible. He's a God who cares about what you go through. You can actually talk to him, and he hears. You can commune with him. You can meet with people of like precious faith. He's still, he's still the same as he ever was. And so people need to hear from somebody who's an eyewitness and a testifier a true witness of what God did in the Bible, what Jesus did in the Bible, Jesus is still able to do. It only requires faith in that God. Are we okay? The administration of our lives, Paul says, is in heaven. That's where the county seat is. That's where the capital is. 
And our decisions are not made among us. And we don't decide how we're going to live the life. We don't decide when the rapture is going to be. We don't decide uh, how we should conduct church order. Uh, we don't decide those things at all. But rather, we've heard from on high. We've gotten a directive from on high. And we got the memo. And God has said, this is how I want you to conduct your life. This is how I want you to uh, treat one another. This is how I want you to uh, forgive one another. This is how I want you to handle your finances. Come on, I'm going to keep going until somebody says amen. This is how I want you to conduct your church service. This is how I want you to deal with music. This is how I want to have uh, the word conveyed to the congregation through ministry. Uh, this is how uh, that we're going to deal with missions and foreign lands. This is how we're going to deal with, uh, you know, the, uh, the handling of the message. We're not going to treat it like just another book on our bookshelf, but rather we're going to understand and know and apply the fact that this message actually is an absolute. That's different than any book on your shelf. And it's not us who's decided that. God has vindicated that. Vindication is simply the process by which God removes all doubt that what you're hearing from is God himself. And Paul says, he shall change our vile body. That'll be up to him when that happens. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's up to him what it looks like. According to the working whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. He's got all power. Everybody following? All right, so therefore then our walk matters because if it mattered to Enoch, it'll matter in our case here because he's our type. It means to walk, to go about, to proceed, or to move figuratively, it's referring to here. Uh, it's, it's not just God is saying we're going to walk like this versus walking like this. But we're going to... Figuratively, he's using as a type here, we're going to be led, according to the second line here, we're going to be carried along by certain principles. We're going to be carried along a certain way. We're going to walk in a way that pleases God, in a way that is in harmony with his word. All right, so if God's leading us, it makes sense that he would cause us or lead us in a way that's consistent with the Bible. Genesis 6 and 9. These are the generations of Noah. And Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So you can imagine, now just for a minute, you can imagine how Noah must have felt when he got outside the ark and got on earth again. And he's standing there on the earth and wondering, does God want us to have children? Because God destroyed the populations of the earth and preserved just us. Does he want us to repopulate? Well, okay. Multiply and replenish the earth here is the command that Noah gets. So, all right. How do we conduct ourselves differently to avoid another judgment like that? Noah's the guy who lived through that judgment from the time God spoke it until we get to the end of it and Noah's out on dry ground. And he must have thought, as a man of God, he must have thought, how can we conduct ourselves differently now by grace? Because they're on the other side of the ark by grace, right? Come on, folks. He's on the other side of the flood by grace. And he must be, he must be asking himself the question, or maybe that was the subject around the fire, and wondering, how do we walk now 
to please God, to avoid another judgment. Now, there's people in town who think differently. Nimrod thinks differently because he wants to unite everybody together and protect themselves. So it doesn't matter how we walk or live, we want to be protected from the flood, right? So he's building a tower. He's off on, he's, in other words, you can see he's walking a different path or he's walking by a different beat than what Noah is because Noah's not building an ark. Matter of fact, Noah's probably chopping it up to make firewood to feed his family because as we go forward, God's going to tell us now how we're going to walk. But Nimrod's over here, you know, get, get, he's down to Lowe's and Home Depot cleaning him out as he wants to build a tower. But Noah walked with God. And Abram journeyed, Genesis 12 and 9. Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. He doesn't know really where he's going, but he's going because God's leading him on. That's the meaning of the word here. That's all I'm doing is giving you examples. Arise, Genesis 13, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it to thee. Arise, let me lead you now. Let me, let me show you what's going to happen here. Deuteronomy 28, the Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord and walk in his ways. God has ways of doing things. God has ways for us to conduct our business. God has ways for us to deal with one another. And we want to walk in those ways and then watch how God blesses. And this is what he says. You'll establish yourself a holy people in the eyes of God if you do that. In Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So there's a right way to walk and a wrong way to walk. His delight is in the law of the Lord, a man of God. Now, watch what Brother Bram says here. Shepherd of the sheepfold. And Brother Bram's in another country. He's in a foreign country. And he's watching, as you often see when you're in, especially Middle Eastern countries, he's going down the city street and there's a, a, a shepherd and a herd of sheep ahead of him on the city street. That's very common. And as they're, as they're driving up to this and they're looking, and looking at the back of this uh, herd of sheep, Brother Branham says, wow, he says, uh, we're going right down the middle of the street and those sheep are not stopping for red lights or nothing. And there come a shepherd and all the sheep are following him. And I said, praise be to God. And the man who was with Brother Branham said, oh, this shepherd, he's an important person. And Brother Branham said, just follow him a little. And he was watching him. And he said, now, they, they, everyone followed a shepherd. And wherever he goes, the sheep follows. And Brother Bram said, do they ever drop out of line? Do they ever get, out, get astray? And he said, if one ever drops out or disobeys, it's because he's sick. If a sheep ever gets out of line or out of whack there, he says it's because he's sick. Oh, spiritually speaking, sick sheep tonight, why do you drop out of line? He's in a meeting now, and he's telling this story. A great shepherd with his healing balm is here tonight to bundle it all up and bring you back to the walk of the Christian life again. Christians walk a certain way. You know what Christians do? They follow their shepherd. They follow the shepherd. And that they, they kind of keep their eye on him because they don't have a good sense of direction. They don't have a good sense of leadership on their own, self-leadership. Uh, they, they, they really rely on the shepherd. They learn to rely on the shepherd. And so... Here's Brother Branham telling us the great shepherd is here tonight trying to bring you back to the walk of a Christian life again. Because if a person's not sick, if they're well, they're going to follow the shepherd. They're going to follow that shepherd. And he said just the sick and weakly drop out, and the shepherd nourishes them and brings them back. Aren't you glad God brings us back? When the Azusa Street people humbled themselves and became lambs, 
the Holy Spirit came in. Brother Bram's here at the 50th anniversary of Azusa Street, and he's speaking there. He said he will do that right here in this building if we'd be willing to forfeit all, humble ourselves to become lambs. The Holy Spirit would take this meeting into his own power. And all he's doing is reminding them of what they had. That's what, the, that's what happened in the, in the first place. When they gathered at Azusa Street, if you've read the stories and Frank Bartleman and, uh, you know, the different ministers who were there, they were not there with an agenda. They were not there saying, we want to do this. They were there just waiting on God, really. And they believed that God could do now whatever he wanted to do. And so Brother Branham says, if you'll just come back, and he's in the same place. He's in Los Angeles, and he's saying the same thing. There wouldn't be nothing but lambs go out of here led by the Holy Ghost. He said, I know he's here. And the dove is sitting here tonight waiting for a place to get into. How dreadful does the walk of the modern Christian, how dreadful does the walk of the modern Christian must be before God? How dreadful that must be when God looks at the way modern Christians walk and how the music modern Christians listen to. When I say modern Christians, now I'm, I'm talking maybe a denominational Christian or, uh, you know, somebody who's out there in an independent way. And uh, not that they're not good people and not that they're not nice people and not that there's not a hope for them. Hey, listen, uh, I, I've, I've attended many funerals. I've preached many funerals for people who were not members of the bride. They were not believers like you and I. They're, they're, uh, they may have had an experience with God in their lifetime or whatever else and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's always a little bit of an awkward thing because all families want you to put their departed loved one in heaven. No matter what kind of life they lived, they want you to put them in heaven. And uh, that, that's not an unusual thing. But I will tell you this, that uh, it's, it's, to me, the, the, the best approach to that and the way I deal with that is, is to make sure that everyone knows we're committing this person into the hands of a righteous God. He's, he's a merciful and righteous God. And, and God will take care of that over there. We can't change that. We can't alter that. Because that person's lived their life and it's between them and God. And so the best thing you do is just commit it to God and say, God, in your own way, you're going to have to deal with this now. It's, not, it's out of our hands and so forth. And, and, and it becomes a lesson for us or a subtle reminder for us that, that the things that we do here make a difference for when we go over there because you're going to reap what you sow. Can I also say this, too, that if I understand the Scripture right, we also are held accountable over there. Now, how that's going to play out, I really don't know. But I want to be accountable. I want to be held accountable in a good way. In other words... God's given us a lot of resources in this church, right? We have, we've been blessed. We have a lot of resources and uh, little debt, and we have, we have more than enough than it takes to pay for me to have a salary and make a living. So in a real way, I'm held accountable for what we do with that. This is like Brother Branham. You remember he, uh, you know, with, with all the money that came in for the campaigns and so forth, he realized that he was going to be held accountable for that. So he wanted to make sure that the, the bills were paid, that people were paid, their salary and so forth. And, but, you know, he didn't want to sit on some stockpile of money and die and go to heaven and say, well, I put all that in your hand. What did you do with it? Now, that's not going to determine eternal life. But you know what? There still is an accountability in the Scripture. Am I ringing any bells? 
You remember Jesus tells the parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. He said, a man uh, gave a portion of his kingdom to his servants, and then he went off on a far journey. He came back, and he asked them, what did you do with what I gave you? Accountability is a, it's a real thing. And, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, as, as, uh, as how, for me and how I walk and how we walk, and we're uh, talking about the trustees about things that we want to do here in the church and, uh, you know, uh, handling the funds and the resources that we have. We want to uh, make sure that we, uh, we're doing our part for the assembly, naturally, but we also want to do our part for people in other parts of the world as well. Because it isn't just us. We're not just, we're not just gathered here and trustees don't exist here just for our own comfort. If we didn't do anything else to this building, we'd still be way better off than an awful lot of assemblies in the, in the rest of the world. I want to, I want to walk in a way that I can be proud of what we've been given as stewards and not be ashamed. All right. Now, Take a look here with me again. Notice this here. When the dove, he said, is sitting here tonight waiting for a place to get into. Remember, you remember, I, I, I gave you this illustration a while back. <clears throat> John the Baptist bare record and said, I saw the Spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptized it with the Holy Ghost. It is, it is not a hard thing to be in an atmosphere or a meeting, say, or a revival where the Holy Spirit is falling. A lot of people can have the Holy Spirit fall on them because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But to have the Holy Spirit remain there, now that's the challenge. And that's determined by your walk. So in other words, whatever Jesus did, and if we understand that the Holy Spirit is timid, wherever Jesus walked, it was always in mind that he wanted to be doing what the Father showed him. So in other words, if we have the same Holy Spirit, every step we take should be with the Holy Spirit in mind. We don't want to grieve the dove. If this is the dove that, that uh, we have by virtue of the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to walk every day of my life making sure that that dove is still there. When I get up in the morning, is he still there? When I lay down at night, is he still there? And if I have a difference with somebody, is it still there afterwards? And if it's not there, I probably need to make something right. It, it's, it, the descending is not the hard part. The remaining is the challenge because that comes because you respond right. That comes because you forgive often. That comes because uh, you're willing not to die with your own opinion, but you're willing to, uh, you know, to make some concessions in life. Is everybody okay with that? I want to live my life in a way that not necessarily pleases everybody, but make sure that the dove is right there. Because when I die, I want the dove to lead me into the promised land and get me to the place I need to be. I don't want to die without him there. I don't want to die without, without the dove present in my life. And this is what, uh, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He, the dove always seeks for a resting place. You remember when Noah let the dove out of the ark? You remember that? And the dove sought for a place to rest. And when he found no place of rest, what did he do? He came back to Noah. And the Bible says that Noah took him in unto himself again. Jesus said when, to the disciples in Luke chapter 10, he said, when you go house to house, and he said, you come to a place, and uh, he said, you want to know, is, uh, you know, am I welcome here? He says, you're going to come and uh, find, is this a place where the dove would have rest? And he said, if not, take that back. And he says, shake the dust off your feet, and off you go to another place. 
So in other words, it, there's a lot riding on this fact. And here's Brother Bram saying the dove is sitting here tonight waiting for a resting place. He's waiting for a place to get into. And that's where that's what he found in Jesus, a permanent place where he could be there. And Jesus did everything in life with one view of doing what pleased the Father. He didn't do it to make everybody happy because we know he didn't make everybody happy. He didn't say everything to make everybody feel good because everybody didn't feel good by what he said. He said some strange and unusual things, things that were not fulfilled in his time. Jesus uh, rebuked people. Uh, there was people that he commended. There was people that he healed. There was times when he went in, healed one person, all the other things that Jesus did. And if you think you got it all figured out, you put yourself in that audience that day when Jesus said, uh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they're looking at that. But you know what? He didn't grieve the Holy Spirit because what he said was true, even if their understanding wasn't up to speed with what he said. But the, key, the, the challenge was to make sure, to make sure that the dove stayed there. In the message, Abraham, all them little things that people, they fight over and separate themselves, it shows it's not of God, or they wouldn't separate themselves like that. Why don't you come together, be brothers and sisters, let the power of God walk among you? It'll all work out. God's the tutor of the church, the Holy Spirit. You don't have to use all your life just trying to learn something like that. The best thing you know, if you're saved, if you're saved, how many people do we have saved? Start walking with God. What He wants you to know, He'll reveal it to you. If you're saved, start walking with God. If you've never thought about this, about walking with God, you need to start walking with God. The closest thing that I can find in my understanding of the message and my reading of it over the years, the closest thing I can find of any human being walking with God like it was in the Garden of Eden, was when Brother Branham was out in Colorado and the storm came on the mountain. You remember that? And, and Brother Branham's up in the mountain there by himself, and there's some other brothers that are with him, and uh, people now in the town, are, they're all calling for this storm, and everybody's clearing out because the storm's coming. And as the storm rolls in, Brother Branham puts the, the gun, you remember it, down in his jacket so his scope doesn't get steamed up. And he goes down, run, runs down because the snow is coming. And he's telling the brothers to find a place where they can get holed up because the snow will come fast and hard there. And he runs out. And when he walks down, that's when the voice of God speaks to him and says, why don't you walk with me for a little while? And he said, I stood there a few moments, tears running down. He said, God, I don't know what to do. And that's when he speaks that storm out of existence. It goes out of goes out of existence. And the sun breaks out. And I started walking down the mountain and the snow all drying up with, with the hot sun. Steam coming out of my shirt. Just a minute or two difference. The whole situation's different. And I started walking down the mountain. And when I did, I heard a voice say, why don't you walk with me? And I said, Lord, that's the greatest privilege I ever had. Imagine. Imagine that God would so delight in him for having been so sensitive and so obedient in the middle of a storm, and God's telling him, just speak, and it'll be gone. And even the people are down in town looking up at the mountain and saying, oh, Brother Branham must be up there. Because, you know, hey, these, these strange things are happening, and the storm's gone, and the sun comes out. And they recognize that it's Brother Branham down, uh, you know, it's up in the mountain there. And God says to him, why don't you just walk with me for a little while? I'm not sure that, that would, there's anything that I know of in the message that would be closer to what God had with Adam in the Garden of Eden. And I'm not sure that there's anything I would like to have greater in life than for God to want to walk with me like that. 
And for me to live in such a way, for us to live in such a way that God would actually want us to hang around with him, to walk with him. As far as I know, God never, God never came to Brother Random and said, can you give me some money? Or can you, can you work harder? I, I don't think he ever asked Brother Random that, but he, he just desires, because we know that one of God's greatest desires is to have fellowship with his own and, and to be able to just say, why don't you walk with me for a little while? And Brother Bram just begins to walk with God. And I, I don't know all what they said. Imagine to have that kind of a communication. Imagine to have that kind of relationship with God. I think in order to get there, you probably have to go through a lot. You know, you, Brother Bram spent a whole lifetime, really, uh, discerning and making sure he stayed on the straight and narrow and in his walk always conveying Christ. I think one of the highest compliments that he was ever paid was when Brother Billy Paul said that when you, when you hung around with Brother Branham, he never knew who his enemies were because he didn't talk a lot about people who disagreed with him or people who did him wrong, people who offended him or people who had uh, cheated him. And lots of people hung around Brother Brown like vultures because there was money associated with the campaigns and there was big crowds associated and they all wanted to use them one way or another. And Billy Paul said that when you were around Brother Branham, you never got a sense of who was his enemy because he didn't gossip a lot. He didn't share a lot. He didn't say negative things about people. So here's what he says. As a matter of fact, if you're a musician, just slip up. You folks stay with me here. But if you get our musician, just gently slip up here. He said, in my cry speak, he said, it's him that came down when I told them that the pillar of fire was down there in the river. They couldn't believe it. It was him down there amongst when the Baptist preacher, 30,000 people that night in the Sam Houston Coliseum, when he had his picture made with the pillar of fire. When an angel of the Lord had his picture taken standing there, he said, that wasn't, that wasn't some figment of our imagination. He said, that was actually God who was right there. So he said, if that's true, if that's true, why should I wait? God has vindicated his word. It's the truth. Let's journey. Let's walk. Let's get on the walk of the Lord, laying aside all doubts and sins. Clean up your house. Scrub it up. Let's walk. Children of Israel, you know what? When they left Goshen, they did exactly this. They said, it's time for the journey now. We've watched the plagues. We've watched Pharaoh. We've watched all this, these things happen in Egypt. Let's journey now. Clean up your house. Apply the token. Get dressed. We're going to walk now. And they walked out. And here's Brother Bram telling us the same thing. He said, don't put it off. He said, now's the time for us to get things ready. We're going to walk. We're going to, we're going to walk right out of here. No other age in the Gentile dispensation. No other age has got the invitation to walk like God's given to us. It's wrapping up time. It's going home time. It's applying to token time. It's getting stuff swept out of your house time. And the way we're going to get from here to there is not by somebody, six guys carrying you out the door. It's going to be you walking in the light of the hour. It's going to be you walking in the light of the word. 
And Brother Branham says, that matters. I've, we've, I've jumped over about 40 quotes here. Brother Branham said, that matters. He said, how, how we walk, how we believe the word when it comes to us, the light of the hour. And he said, if you're called to a particular hour, there's a word for that hour, you want to walk in sync with that. So why should we wait? You know what? Every one of us should be walking in sync with God. Because Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together lest they be, what? Agreed. You've got to know God to know what he stands for. And then when you've made your choice to agree, I agree with the things that the Bible says. I agree with the truth of the hour. Then, Lord, let me walk with you. Oh, I'll tell you what, what a privilege it is. Well, when, when, you, when you see Brother Branham and, you know, you wonder, what was it like to be on that mountain? And God would say, why don't you walk with me? I, when I still hear that, I get chills. I, sorry, I still, I think that's an amazing thing. Because that, that seems to be more like what Eden was than anything else. Just a place where God was alone with his son. What a beautiful thing. I'd love to have that. I, I, I'd love to have my heart. I'd love to have that. That'd be my desire. And I hope you have that same desire. Brother Bram's saying, hey, why should we wait? Don't put that off. Strive for that. Pray for that. Look to God for that. It's the truth. We've got the truth. Let's journey. Let's stand. Let me walk with you, Jesus. And don't ever, ever leave me alone. For without you, I could my home sing it again now so just let let me walk with you Jesus and don't ever ever leave me alone for without you I could never, no, never make heaven my home. One more time, just close your eyes now, sing it to him. Yes, let me walk with you, Jesus. And don't ever, ever leave me alone. For without Him I could never. No, never make heaven my home. From the Father above, sweep over my spirit, ever 
unrest and such turmoil the opposite of shalom, the opposite of peace men's hearts actually failing for fear, looking upon those things that are coming on the earth Lord help us to be like Enoch must have been such a solitary kind of a person walking with you Lord, warning the people of an impending judgment 
And now, Lord, he, we, here we stand, Lord, at the end of the seventh. And we realize, Lord, it's a going home time. It's a going out. And Lord, I, I just pray that you prepare our hearts, Lord. And we don't want to walk just in our own way. We want to walk in harmony with you, Lord. We want to move with you. We want to be in sync with you in every way. Because how can two walk together lest they be agreed? We want to take your yoke upon us. And we want to walk every step, every day, with the dove in mind. Help us, Lord, to walk that way. And Lord, as we do, help us, I pray, to be a witness and a light to other people. We'll give you thanks, Lord. Bless those that are needy tonight. Bless those who are not well. Father, we commit the assembly into your hands, Lord. Restore. Restore our joy. Lord, restore everything that Satan tries to take away. Lord, you are you're the great watchman, Lord. And I just ask and pray that you would help us to be, we're, be mindful, Lord, be aware of the things that Satan would try to do among us. We commit our lives to you afresh. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for coming. Sing this as you go tonight. In Jesus' name, we press on. In Jesus' name, we press on. God bless you. In Jesus' name we press on. In Jesus' name we press on. Dear Lord, the pride here before my eyes I want to Just know